Welcome to Caribbean Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss everything real estate with experts from all across the Caribbean. If you are looking to learn how to buy, sell, renovate, and invest in real estate in the Caribbean, this podcast is for you. Here is your host, Dan Merriam, real estate investor, developer, and citizen of Antigua and Barbuda. Welcome back to the Caribbean Real Estate Podcast. I'm Dan Merriam, Canadian investor, living and investing in the Caribbean. Today I'm with Jermaine Rudd. Uh, Jermaine's a lawyer, proud Rotarian, citizenship by investment agent, prop tech professional, and owner of JMBI, full service brokerage and relocation company here in Antigua and Barbuda. Um, Jermaine's also an Antiguan citizen, but has spent time in Barbados, Trinidad, Dominica, and Jamaica. So welcome, Jermaine. No, thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. Um, it's actually a pleasure to be here. You know, I have connected with you probably over a year now, and, and this is the first time we're actually having an in-depth discussion on real estate, which is something I'm actually passionate about, you know, so today is actually going to be a good day. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this. I, uh, We've already had a few great discussions, but uh, this is, I guess, the fourth, first more formal discussion. So thank you. Um, so yeah, I, uh, there's a few interesting topics to cover and um, I'm excited to dive into um, everything real estate um, in Antigua and, and the Caribbean. I know, I know you've uh, done a lot of traveling. You've lived in a few different islands. Um, you've done business here in Antigua for a while. So um, I think you have a lot to share with the listeners. So, um, yeah. So tell us how you got started in real estate, um, and, uh, kind of why you, why you chose this path. All right. That's a, actually a good question. Um, uh, first off, I've been doing a lot of traveling around the islands, primarily to school. You know, I, I did studies both in Barbados as well as Trinidad, but my family is also from Dominica as well as Jamaica. So I've been traveling quite frequently around the Caribbean islands. As for real estate, um, we actually got started primarily because of our grandfather in Dominica. Now, he was actually um, an owner of a farm and estate in Dominica in the southern tip. It's called Soufriere. And he was actually operating on his farm. He used to produce lots and lots of limes. You know, back in the day, he probably had one of the largest lime farms that was used to provide um, I guess the, the, the sucrose, the, the, the liquid which um, the, the local company used to develop to make sprites in, in Dominica, you know, um, and then they were doing exporting back in the day, you know. I didn't know much about it, you know, I learned through discussions with my mother and through family members. But one of the things that I was always aware of is that when we were younger, we visited Dominica at least three times a year, you know, and every time we left, our grandfather would always give us a box of produce, you know, green bananas, mangoes, and all kinds of other products that grew on his farm, you know, and, and it, it always helped us when, when, we were, when we were traveling back to Antigua. But over time, um, once he had passed, um, we ended up inheriting nearly five acres of, of land in Dominica. And at the time, it, it was never really significant. You know, we just knew it as our granddad's farm. But as the, the, the zone and as the use of land changed, because Dominica has always been a predominantly agricultural country, but as of recent, it has turned into quite a, a unique tourism product. Uh, what essentially happened yep. is that we discovered that we are 
owners of five acres of flat land in a by and large mountainous country. So it, it was like a gold mine when, when, when we discovered this, you know, um, we banks were, 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 were calling the family, you know, everyone wanted to offer loans because of, of the development potential that the property had, you know, so we began to sit and collaborate and start thinking about what, what is the best way to, I guess, glorify or, 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 or live out the legacy of our, our grandfather, you know, and as he was a farmer, as he enjoyed working in, in nature, we, we wanted to, to not really diminish the essence of what he had created. So rather than building many apartments or anything too commercial, we decided to, to construct a commercial, well, not a commercial, we decided to construct a wellness center. You know, it was a center designed for persons who wanted to become one with nature. They wanted a safe space to relax, you know, to, to use as a form of retreat, you know, and mm -hmm. we, we developed it exactly like how we think he would have wanted it. We started, um, Probably after it was after it was set up, we actually started with some accommodation via tents, you know, because there is a major business of persons traveling to Dominica to camp through its several trails, and when they do camp, they they would basically stop wherever they can and sleep and continue these trails. So our mm. our wellness center essentially became one of the first camping grounds in the south. Of, of Dominica that people can safely come and rest in a nice garden of Eden before continuing their, their trails. All right. And then thereafter, wow. yeah, it, thereafter we essentially designed and constructed two residential cottages. Cottages. So if you didn't want the, 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 the camping lifestyle, you had the opportunity to actually sleep indoors, you know, but we always left it a bit rustic, you know, because that is the appeal of the wellness center. And then we built a restaurant and bar and swimming pool on the compound so that persons who do stay, they would have a safe place and a very close, convenient place to, to grab a, a quick meal. You know, so that is how we got started. And uh, so in terms of why I chose the path, I'd actually say the path chose me just by virtue of, of being in my family. You know, it was something that when we were just leaving school, I remember our family members were calling us about signing loan papers and stuff in order to secure financing, because that is when we discovered that our grandfather actually left the property to, to, to specific family members who had to be instrumental in the project. So, that's so how this would have been... This would have been 15, 20 years ago when, when your, I guess, grandfather passed away and, and then passed on this really heirloom piece of uh, piece of land to you and you and your, I guess, you and your siblings. Absolutely. And my mother yeah. and her siblings, you know, and uh, nice. so it was quite, quite some time, you know, it, it was a bit of a shocker. Apparently my mother was, was one of my, my grandfather's favorites, you know, so seems like she got a, a nicer chunk you know but we've we've never used that to our advantage we've always treated it as a family property you know we've always welcomed the help the assistance the support of the entire family for 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 the, the betterment of the product that i think our grandfather would be proud about yeah you're, you're not listing it anytime soon uh no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't think that. so um well well dominica's really blown up for ecotourism but I, I didn't actually realize that people were going on these camping trips and actually going through trails and, and stopping in these different different locations. But uh, yeah, it sounds like I, I hope to visit there one day. If I uh, if I go back to Dominica, I'll uh, I'll uh, make sure I let you know. Um, Absolutely, cool. we'll be happy to hook you up. <laughs> yeah, 
And when's the last time you were there? Have you, uh, do you visit often? I do visit often pre-pandemic. You know, the last time I was actually there was, I think it was 2017. It was before one of the hurricanes okay. that, that devastated the country. It was Hurricane Maria. Yeah, uh, it, okay. It, yeah, it flattened the island, you know. But prior to that, we would, we would visit Dominica two and three times per year. You know, um, we, and there are always direct flights from Antigua to Dominica via Liat. You know, it was all of 30 minutes. So we went quite frequently. There was actually a time that my mother worked at an airline, at the same Liat airline, you know. So we were we weren't short of airline tickets to get there quickly. And, and oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and and they don't do that flight anymore. I, I they don't. I, I actually, I was in the gym today, and a couple of guys were talking about this. That Liat used to offer a lot of cheap flights inter island, and a lot of those flight paths were just canceled. So yeah, I don't think there's a direct flight from Antigua. To Dominica anymore? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I think if there is a direct flight, it might be once per week, whereas in the past it was actually once or, or three times per day. You know, so yeah. if, if you're traveling to Dominica now, you, you better make up your mind that you're going to be staying a minimum one week if you don't want to use a ferry, and that isn't bad. Yeah. That isn't bad a bad thing at all. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think Air Antilles goes there but you have to stop somewhere else first or you know it's a bit of a milk run so uh um, I, I should have asked what's what's the name of the wellness retreat and uh, resort good question it's actually called rodney wellness retreat okay nice uh, and uh it, it has a, an alias of carrods c-a-r-r-o-d half of the name is from my grandmother which is carmen and half is from my grandfather who's rodney Oh, nice. That's, that's cute. <laughs> cool. Um, well, thanks for sharing. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you love most about, you know, doing business and, and being in real estate in, in Antigua and the Caribbean? What, what, uh, what do you enjoy, enjoy about the industry? Uh, in terms of real estate in Antigua, it, it, that, that is actually a good question. Um, one of the things that I would say about when, about real estate in Antigua, is that it is easy to feel inspired. And, and by inspired, I mean that we're living in, in a tropical paradise. You know, we're, we're living in an island that, that's arguably yep. second to none, you know? So th there is no shortage of beachfront properties. There, there's no shortage of, of nice hillside mansions, you know? And the thing about Antigua uh, in comparison to, to, to larger cities and larger countries in the world is that, we're not restricted by, by membership clubs where, where you can't get too close to these properties. We, we are essentially a small island where everyone knows everyone, you know, so you can yep. literally take a drive on a Sunday and, and get to see some of these amazing pieces of, of, of real estate that is right before your eyes. As for me, I always had goals to get into real estate investing and owning a very large house on a beach at some place and at some point in time, you know? So I think once you are able to, to put that picture in your mind, it really assists you in actually achieving the goal. And I find that Antigua is one of those places that helps you to put that picture in, in your mind very easily. Uh, from, from a legal, yep. legal perspective, from a legal perspective, one of the things I, I would say that I, I love about real estate, especially in Antigua, is that we operate using a registered system of land ownership. 
you know, essentially uh, when, when I studied uh, law, I, I learned that there are multiple different systems. There's by and large an unregistered system where you have to search for roots of titles when you're going to do, undertake a conveyance. And then there's a registered system. And then some countries have an, a hybrid system like in St. Lucia. The challenge with the challenge with the unregistered system is because we are small and, and third world countries, you know, there, there aren't the best record keeping practices. So it's always challenging to, to, to properly search roots of titles. And even with best efforts as an attorney or service provider, you can still make mistakes, which can be costly and can expose yep. you. But in terms of registered systems, the, the, the whole essence of having a system that's registered is there is one central authority that governs the, the transfer, the registration of all interests of land. So you go to one place and you can determine who owns what, what interests affect a piece of land, what encumbrances are, 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 are the property burdened with, you know, so it makes things extra simple. You know, and, and that that makes or that should make conveyancing easy in Antigua. It should. <laughs> but it doesn't It makes the process a lot more straightforward um, when it comes to ownership is what you're explaining. But, I think. but not quicker. <laughs> but not quicker. Yeah, it's not still quicker. Uh, there, there's still some friction. But uh, yeah, and I and I didn't actually know that I. Uh, I know Antigua uses British common law system. And I think that's one advantage to a lot of islands in the Caribbean, a lot of countries in the Caribbean is um, you can own land. There aren't restrictions on foreign ownership like there are in a lot of places in Asia um, or, uh, or the Middle East or, or even, uh, even South America. And so, um, um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize that the actual actual register uh, system of registration is is um, is different uh, between um, different Caribbean islands. Absolutely, man. And I'll go further and say that is part of the reason yeah. why it's it's very hard for let's say an investor to just use the Caribbean as one big umbrella to say let's just get into investing straight across the Caribbean. You know, they have to take account of the different systems which govern um, the conveyancing and registering of interest in land in different countries. You know, and um, interestingly, you mentioned that uh, we can own land outright in Antigua, but uh, in Barbuda, for instance, there was a completely different regime. You know, it was actually operating on, on, on the, the, the understanding that lands in Barbuda are held in trust by the government for the people of Barbuda, you know, and yep. it, it, it seemed to suggest that Barbudans who were born there are the only persons entitled to, to, to acquire and occupy lands in Barbuda. You know, it has always been a contested topic, you know, and, and that is the culture of the people that, that you would find in Barbuda. You know, um, as of recently, there was actually a Privy Council decision that, that was delivered this week, which cleared over a 50-year debate or, or, or a cold war as between whether or not non-Antigua or non-Barbudans are able to, to, to acquire lands over there, you know? Not to say that- I didn't, know that, that, I didn't know that decision um, was made and I, I didn't realize it was being made so quickly. So tell us more about that because Barbuda, you know, Antigua is kind of blowing up right now from a real estate standpoint. Um, Barbuda is turning into a bit of a billionaire bubble. Um, there's Absolutely. a lot of really high-end developments happening up there, um, but I didn't realize they had settled their claims. So yeah, t tell 
Tell me more about that. Yes. So essentially, as you know, there, there is a major or many major development projects that are likely to, to, to break ground and get started over in Barbuda. There, there was yep. one in particular that got some lands allocated to, to, to basically develop a very large project. You know, uh, the Barbudans on the ground, they essentially felt as if the lands belonged to Barbudans. And so they should be entitled to be compensated if it is that the government allocates a parcel of land or a portion of land to a foreign entity in order to develop. You know, so yes. that was that was one of the, the more hotly contested uh, issues surrounding Barbuda land. It gets a little bit trickier because every time the matter reaches court, you know, there are a bunch of other small applications that are filed within the same action, which takes time and ultimately potentially doesn't always get resolved, you know, so everything just gets very cloudy. You know, when decisions are made and it goes up to the appeal, then the legislation changes, you know, so the, 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 the laws surrounding Barbie the land has always been clouded for many years because there was no full and final decision ever made by the Privy Council up until last week. Wow. <laughs> you know, so the Privy Council- and this dispute's been going on since independence, right? Or, it has or, been going, or absolutely. Basically, absolutely. and and it went all the way, it went all the way to the UK, right? Privy absolutely. Council, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, our, our very good friend Kwame Simon, he was one of the lawyers, along with his dad, a notable QC, Justin Simon, who, who were actually fighting the case for the Barbudans, you know, and they actually flew to the Privy Council to handle the matter. But essentially, uh, the, the, the court ultimately found that if Barbudans aren't occupying a specific portion of the land that is subject to the development, if they don't specifically occupy that land, they don't have an interest in that land and they can't be capable of compensation. The, the, Bar, yeah, the Barbudans were, were, were seeking to argue that by virtue of the right of them being able to apply for lands in Barbuda, it means that they have a proprietary interest in all of Barbudan lands and the courts found that that is incorrect. You know? So do you know what the result of this decision is? So in other words, is there a percentage of the island that was, um, you know, granted to them or, or that, that the ownership was confirmed and then um, a portion that wasn't? So like, is 95% of the island not considered, um, uh, I guess, bar, bar, Barbudan? Um, and is now owned by Antigua? Or, or what, was, what was the result of the decision? Well, well, the decision was specifically on the point as to whether Barbudans had a proprietary interest in all of the land, and yes. they found that they don't have proprietary interest in all of the land. Okay. If they and are so it has to be sorted out now. Correct. Of who owns what? Who has Correct. occupied what? Correct. Interest. The good thing. The good thing is that Barbuda had a system, a very sophisticated system. It's called a red book and a blue book. When you apply for a piece of land, you're listed in this red book. When you get the piece of land, you're listed in this blue book. The good thing is that Barbuda only has all of 15 to 1600 inhabitants, you know, so the book isn't that okay. big. But that book by and large outlines all of the, the persons who are occupying parcels of land in, in Barbuda. The, the, the so Barbuda wait, is there literally a book? Literally a book. There's, there's so, two books. <laughs> so so who's when- Who's holding when, on to these books? Because those books are worth a- couple hundred 
you know, billion probably. Probably. Um, they actually held yeah. by, by, by the executive in the Barbuda Council, you know, and yep. every time Barbuda lands get contested, you know, they are securing these books because they don't want local government to get their hands on it. They feel like they will be deprived, you know, but it goes more than that. Our, our government and our prime minister has been very fair in terms of not wanting to interfere with rights of Barbuda. I think Barbudans by and large live in the capital city called Codrington and mm -hmm. the government is actually prepared to let everyone who owns or occupies a parcel of land, they can acquire that land, absolute freehold ownership for $1 and allow the government to, to, to allocate and, and, and register parcels of, of land so that other parcels can be bought. You know, I think that this landmark decision has kind of paved the way so that there is absolutely no confusion when the government does start to actually start allocating and registering lands in Barbuda. Well, we could talk about Barbuda for another hour <laughs> easily, but uh, um, last question about this is, do you think that will pave a way for land ownership in, in Barbuda versus just a uh, lease, a 99 or, or 30 year lease or, or kind of how it's set up right now? It, is it that kind of the expectation? Good question. In reality, it actually paves the way for land ownership. I'll say this yep. much. The legislation for land ownership has actually been passed since 2018. You know, but because of all of this cloud, even though the law is valid and already in effect, you know, no one actually tried to enforce the law because they were just trying to get all of the, 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 the uncertainty um, eliminated before, you know. So the law is already passed. Yep. There's nothing that needs to be done now. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Um, what an opportunity. Um, well, actually, you were the first person who uh, who took me up to Barbuda. You you and your brother and a, a few friends, and uh, it was uh, oh, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my life. It's it's a really really special island, and if anyone listening to this has a chance, you, you have to do Barbuda. The ferry isn't the preferred way of travel though, so so look into other options because there are some. But uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> simply simply describing it won't do it justice you have to see it yep. for yourself you know absolutely yep. or watching a video on instagram it, it, you're right it, it it's not even it's not even close so uh yeah <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a really really special place so um well, let's get back into uh, a little bit more about you and and your business so um what were some of the i guess difficulties um and uh um, as, as you were starting out in real estate and, uh, and building your, uh, your brokerage? Okay, not a problem. Good question. We actually own and operate JMVI Realty. We're branded as the future of real estate at your fingertips. What we did is we, we, we developed a mobile app which enables you to rent, bid, and buy properties conveniently from your smartphone. Mm -hmm. You know, we had this novel idea about being able to add convenience to the real estate process, you know, and we thought that by developing a mobile app, people will automatically gravitate to it. Mind you, this was my very first time getting involved in any business. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing about sales, about uh, channels. I didn't know anything. You know, I just assumed that if you build an app, which is cool enough, people start gravitating, you know, yep. and uh, I, I had the shock of my life, you know, because first off, the app wasn't, 100% working the way you wanted it to work, you know, and I thought that the best thing to do is to start developing a second version rather than just throwing it out into the market and getting feedback, 
you know, and I think that would have been the better way to, 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 to grow your startup, you know. So we learned the hard way and spent a lot more than we should up in the earlies. And we we're spending uh, finances capital that we did not have, you know. So even when we stretched so far to develop the second version, we had li literally zero traction, you know, we... We just didn't know what we would do next, you know, and we decided that we would have had to develop a team of, of real estate personnel, you know, in order to, to start a substantial real estate business because people aren't gravitating towards the app like what we wanted. Now, in terms of securing finances, it's no easy task raising finances as, as an early stage startup, whether in the United States, in Canada, or even down in the islands. You know, everyone thinks that you're destined to fail, you know, so... Uh, what I did, luckily, I'm actually a CIP, a citizenship by investment agent. So I began selling passports. I began selling or or helping high net worths um, to, to secure second passports to, to perhaps migrate into Antigua. And yep. uh, it is a lucrative industry. And it was something that we used to actually fund the operations of the company in, in the early stages. You know, it had yep. been tremendously helpful. And then thereafter... The government decided to be very proactive in its policies towards entrepreneurs. They eventually launched a program called the Entrepreneurship Development Fund, where they would be giving low interest loans to startups in Antigua, you know, just to get uh, young people involved in business, you know, and it happened at the right time because we had the business formed. It was under three years. So we were eligible. We were operating. We had the app developed, you know, so we were one of the very first people to apply, you know, and I didn't believe it would have ever come to fruition because governments make promises all the while, you know, but, um, it was a promise made. It was a promise kept. We got our first substantial loan, low interest, as low as 3% in this, at the start of 2020. And that is what enabled us to build a team. That is what enabled us to lease properties, uh, lease uh, 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 an office, and, and get the operations off the ground. And the rest seemed to be history. All right. But it was quite challenging. You know, we never had the know-how. We, we, we ultimately partnered with Tech Beach, for instance. We ended up working with another company called the Caribbean Tech Entrepreneurship Program. These are both incubators and accelerators that, that lend startups the know-how that is needed to get a business off the ground. You know, and um, having learned the, the, the value that you get in these types of programs, we continuously try to take advantage of any of these opportunities that do come available. You know, so I think what ultimately allowed us to overcome the challenges was being able to either leverage additional skills or leverage the finances or leverage the know-how in order to grow the business. Yeah. Well, well, you have a number of different income streams. And I think that helps when you're when you're starting a business. Too, too many people, you know, quit their full-time job and go full in startup mode. And, you know, growing a startup, especially around technology, is, you know, some people would agree it's a lotto ticket or it's it's a uh, you know, it's like making it to the MBA and it's, it's really tough. Um, I've seen your uh, JMBI app and it's, it's very innovative and I know how hard you and your team worked on it. Um, and, uh, but I, I think what you were explaining earlier is, you know, building a solution before having, I guess, a complete, a complete understanding of the problem and what the market needs or, or even just um, having market fit or product market fit and traction um, is a mistake that a lot of, um, new startup founders make, and um, it's very common. And it's 
it's hard to avoid when you're, you know, excited about it and you believe in something, you're trying to do something differently. And so it's, uh, but it sounds like you've learned a lot from that. And, um, and, and you're still, it's still something you're working on. You're, you're still um, growing and evolving the platform, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. But if it's one thing I think that has worked, I think it's actually having the willpower and the persistence to actually uh, basically step over every obstacle that comes, you know, because it's so easy to give up. I was actually reading a, a yeah. book last yeah. night and, and it suggested that failures is the sweat for success. You know, so if you aren't experiencing these failures, you're not getting any closer to success, you know. <laughs> That's one I haven't heard and I like it. You know, I uh, love the term uh, fail forward. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks exactly. for sharing that. That's cool. Yeah. Exactly. Well, where do you see your business and uh, and I guess even um, real estate kind of going forward in the future in, in the Caribbean? What what uh, um, what, do you, what do you have planned for the future? Okay. Well, interestingly, what we actually started off to do was we were promoting the virtual auction house as our major selling point. You know, we wanted okay. to create an opportunity where persons could sit at their desk at an office after looking at a property in the past, probably conducting site visits and, and made up their mind that they would buy a property. We wanted to give them an opportunity to sit at their office and bid on a property, you know, but I think things were hampered because of the, the pandemic when the government implemented a moratorium, which prevented banks from selling properties. It forced us to pivot. We essentially went into residential rentals as well as res residential sales. One of the things we've, we've learned over the, the years is that property sales don't take place as fast as we'd like. You know, um, there, there, there was a close realtor we knew in the United States. And in discussion with, with her, we learned that properties are closing in 45 days or, or, or less which is the time it takes for us to rent properties. You know, the average property yep. in Antigua would, would take probably 12 to 14 months. You know, it, it does sit on the market for some time, you know, and it caused us to do some thinking. We realized that the, the better strategy might be to focus on, on long-term rentals because that's what we can get moving, you know, and when we aimed at the long-term rentals, we realized that we developed quite the reputation of moving properties quickly. It so happens that uh, we've just opened uh, another university, making it two universities that we have in Antigua. And all of the tech savvy young students would have to travel to Antigua, would need a place to, come, to um, seek accommodation. And they're all very much aware, acclimatized and familiar with our app. So we realized that it, it, yeah. it ultimately became one of the quickest ways to get properties to the market to persons who needed to rent properties, you know? and. Hmm. At present, our, our bigger challenge is that we're running out of properties because there's so much demand and the properties move so quickly, you know, yeah. uh, and I think because of that, one of the things we, we, we're thinking about doing is, is dabbling into property management. It was something we always shied away from, but I think that that might be one of the best ways to maintain relationships with our homeowners, you know, yeah. because I find that many homeowners, they don't always give the, the, the care and the communication with their tenants as needed, you know, and you don't want the, the, the quality that they experience to drop and then they're complaining about not having a good experience if we can lend the support, you know, so I'm yeah. thinking that if we can definitely jump into property management, that would add value to both stakeholders, both the owner as well as the tenants. And I, I'm actually also thinking about uh, this new concept called rental 
arbitrage. It's called Airbnb rental arbitrage. Now, yeah. uh, it's actually a, a concept which is based upon you securing long-term rentals and subsequently subletting for short-term on vacation rental platforms such as Airbnb and VRBO. I think it's a brilliant strategy, uh, both in Antigua as well as abroad, because especially in Antigua, it's quite the challenge to raise financing in order to buy properties. You know, yep. the banks have had decades long of monopolies. They're very risk averse. So it isn't any and anybody is capable and qualified to ultimately secure a loan. You know, so if there are long-term rental properties on the market and Antigua and, and the world is, 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 is spiking with, with vacation rental as an industry. It only makes sense if you can tap into that industry by, by securing long-term rentals and, and putting it on, on short-term platforms. Yeah. Um, what, what I'll say is that Antigua is, is a, a bit slow to the, uh, at least slow to the game. You know, many owners are very uh, skeptical about that. Reason being is because we probably don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the court system. They know what the pains can be if someone doesn't pay rent or if someone doesn't move out to their property. So they don't want to try new things. But if it does work, it will be a game changer. Hmm. Yeah, rental arbitrage is happening all over the world. Um, and there's so many different strategies around it. Like I, I know some individuals who are even going in and doing some, you know, more cosmetic, but, but renovations to the property that they don't own just to get it, you know, properly set up for an Airbnb with the hope that they'll keep it for three to five years. And I, I think it's like for the actual owner of the property, I think there's a real advantage to that because either it's sitting empty or it's in, it's not in good condition. They're self-managing it. They're not attracting a great tenant profile and whether in a market where there are landlord tenant issues where, you know, tenants stop paying and you can't get them out or not, it's still a good opportunity for landlords. But I think in a market like Antigua, it might be harder to communicate that to the landlord. They, they think they, they don't understand the process and they think they're, maybe they think they're getting taken advantage of, but, um, but it, 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 if you do it right, it could be a win-win. I, I know you've, you've mm -hmm. talked a little bit about this before. And just to back up for a second, you've told me some stories about, you know, you find a great tenant, you take them to the place, everything's good. The landlord or owner tells you that, uh, that they're going to have the place ready. And on moving day, it's not ready. And so um, taking control of that by, by you know, getting into property management um, you know, would probably benefit the business. And, you know, even if it's, if it's not an incredibly profitable venture, um, it, it just adds to the already full service offering that you guys, that you guys have now. And yeah, it gives you a little more control of the process. So it makes sense. Absolutely. Man. I want, one, one of the challenges we, we've noticed is that when a property is rented, the owners don't always tell you when the property is now vacant again. You know, so if you are involved in the property management industry, you would then have an idea as to when these tenants are leaving, which would make make it very helpful and easier for you to keep the, the, the inventory. Yeah. And, and there's an expectation when you're managing the property that you're also filling it up when it goes vacant. So the, the owner can kind of walk away and, and know that it's being taken care of by someone who you know, knows what they're doing. So, um, so regarding 
ownership. What is the best, I guess, advice you can give to young people looking to buy land or or uh, or purchase a home in the Caribbean? Because I, I know there's, first of all, there's a culture of ownership down here, I've realized. And a lot of, you know, families have empty land. A lot of young people are, are looking for information on investing in real estate and, and you know, building their own home. So what, what can you share with our listeners around that? Good question, Dan. As a matter of fact, what, one of the things I'll say is that especially in, in the smaller Caribbean islands, real estate is possibly or probably one of the only investment vehicles that, that, that we as a Caribbean people do have. Well, many of us, we have no access to a stock market. Um, the barriers to entry in, into the crypto uh, into the crypto world isn't always easy, you know, in terms of understanding the know, know-how of how to do it, you know. So you really only have real estate, you know, and, and it provides tremendous amounts of opportunities. I would tell everyone to try and learn as much about their real estate and their asset as, as possible. Because I think the goal is to preserve that real estate so that it can appreciate over an extended period of time. Once you, you've been able to, to, to acquire real estate, you become part of a very small elite club, you know, and you, you can seek to, to get advice as to how to optimize uh, the, the real estate, how to let it increase in value over a period of time. You, you know, if it's a property, you want to, to make sure you're following best practices for maintaining it. Similarly, once you have acquired this property, your net worth ultimately increases tremendously. You know, you can actually use that property as leverage to buy other real estate or to engage in other projects. You know, uh, yep. many people don't really look at that. You know, many times they would want to buy a car and then in, in questioning a bank or institution realize that they have real estate and then they, they put a liability on, on the asset. But one of the things that if you are going to remember anything, I want you to remember that after you've acquired your first property, it's probably easier to secure a second property after you've done it the first time, if the first property is an asset and an investment as opposed to just like a home that you're living in, you know? Yep. So that is that is what I would tell someone who is new and has actually just purchased a, a home or just purchased land. Yeah, it's great advice. Um, and, and you're so right that, you know, getting your first property is absolutely the hardest. Saving that first down payment, getting a stable enough income to qualify for a mortgage mm-hmm. and, and actually get it done. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I think a lot of people need to be willing to, you know, the term beg, borrow, steal, you know, ask, ask friends or family to, to help and, and help them get into that ownership um, yeah. and, and make a sacrifice and, and work a job that, you know, maybe isn't perfect or, or maybe you don't love for the, for the period of time to get into ownership because you're right it, it opens up a lot of doors I, I remember getting my first home and within a year the bank's willing to you know provide nice. a refinance getting a personal line of credit unsecured became just so easy with a number of different banks and that and that allowed me to, to scale my portfolio yeah. so yeah it's, it's uh absolutely great advice and actually you and your wife are building a home right now on uh in antigua right Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We, we, we're doing, I think we're renting and no one likes to rent for, for, for an extended period of time. You know, um, one yep. of the things I'll, I'll mention is that when you have the demand of, of, of tenants looking for doors, 
you know, it, it, it kind of puts you in a compromising situation. I remember the, the, the last renter we were actually in, you know, the, the owner ultimately wanted to increase the rent because she was capable of getting a higher rent because other people were willing to rent the property, you know, and you don't have that security when you're renting properties. I think home ownership is yep. one of those things that will give you peace of mind, you know, so I think we made the best choice. You're right again. I, I've watched too many people say, oh, I'm going to wait a few more years and save more money for a deposit. Or, you know, let's see where the market goes. You know, it's a, it's a little too expensive right now. And um, being from Canada originally and in the Toronto uh, area, I've watched people get priced out of the market. I've watched um, areas of the greater Toronto area triple in the last five years. And nice. in the last 10 years, everything's tripled. In the last five years, everything's doubled. And when it was, you know, people were saying it was not affordable five years ago. And now it's like, you know, the, the average price is over a million Canadian, which is almost 800 US in some of these neighborhoods. So it's, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, home ownership, I think is, is, is important for, for most. And yeah. uh, um, what do you think, um, what do you think the Caribbean is going to look like in five years in, in terms of, uh, you know, affordability? um home ownership um like you uh you've lived here all or most of your life and and so uh what what uh what uh i guess perspective can you provide our, our listeners on that if the caribbean is going to look anything like antigua i'm a little bit worried and i'll say i'm worried because uh we, we're living on a relatively small island only 108 square miles there's only so much real estate that is actually out there you know, and when big institutions like universities do come in and they, they bring the, the foreign investment, they bring all of these students who, who are looking for properties, it continues to drive the rental properties upwards, you know, much to the detriment of, of locals. You know, when long-term rental prices are going upwards and then platforms like Airbnb and VRBO come and persons get wind of the idea that they can rent their properties themselves. You know, not only is there not enough rentals for long-term rentals, a lot of long-term rentals are now taken off the market for short-term rentals, also to the detriment of, of locals, you know? So locals yeah. are being priced out of the market. Locals by and large are majority employed by the public sector whose salaries are virtually stagnant. So they really can't afford the, the rent that the average property will cost, you know? And, and similarly, the banks, don't find that their means are such that it will, they will take the risk to lend financing to buy properties, you know? I think the government has started uh, programs of affordable housing, you know, but there, there still needs to be programs for middle-class people uh, to build houses or, or to enable them to secure financing to do so, you know, because if that doesn't happen, we'll be in a bleak state within five years. And whilst this is happening, we, we have the wealthy expats, we have the, 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 the expats, the persons who have just acquired second passports, who are seeing Antiguan and Caribbean real estate as hot discounts. They see it as a Black Friday sale. They don't need financing. They have all the capital and they're just buying, they're just buying, they're just buying. You know, so yep. there will be very few properties left, perhaps in five years. And I think that there will be a bit of a challenge for housing if, if the government doesn't intervene and, and give assistance. The only challenge or, or one of the bigger challenges with real estate is that it takes time. You know, it's not something where you say we're going to build some houses and, and in a month or two months it's completed. You know, the cycle will take at least 12, 12 months 
before new units hit the market? Yep. You know, you're so right. I came down here 18 months ago. Within a few months, I, I, I was just thinking, you know, it's Antigua is just way too easy to get to, way too safe um, and way too beautiful and way too cheap for this to, to last forever. And I, I think you're right that um, not just Antigua, but the Caribbean is going to have a major inventory problem. They're not going to be able to build homes fast enough. That, that's my prediction. It sounds like you're on the same page. And so what, what's the solution? What, what's the, uh, you know, what can, you know, government or, or developers or, or how can government incentivize developers? Like, like you're, it's a small island, you know, a lot of people, and I know you're um, not involved in politics, but you understand and, and are interested in politics and appreciate what's going on, on in Antigua um, and Barbuda. So um, yeah, what, what's the solution in your mind to, to solve this, this problem really that, that is uh, gonna exist? Good question, Dan. I think the solution has a lot to do with some form of regulation. I'm actually seeing in larger countries like the US, they are taking proactive steps with the short-term rentals being in certain areas, you know, and they're, they're, they're looking ahead. They're looking two years and three years ahead and seeing the problems that are likely to arise and they're actually regulating to ensure that it doesn't happen. You know, one of the things I'm seeing they're doing is they're putting penalties in place if, if persons own more properties than they can for short-term rental and different creative solutions which will address the problems that they are likely to encounter if they continue along the same trajectory. In Antigua, we don't have any of these. In Antigua, it's one big free-for-all, you know? The, the, the quickest and easiest solution that, that, that it's, it seems like the government sees fit is, is, is to tax the, the industry because it gives the short-term money, short-term revenue to the country. But it doesn't address the bigger problem that is likely to brew, you know, and I think that the, the, the problem with that problem is that the Caribbean islands, they're all isolated. It's not like the internet where it's one large global market. When you're dealing with small islands that are surrounded by sea, you know, that have different laws that govern each country, you know, it's not that attractive for investors to, to see countries with, with only thousands of persons versus, versus millions of people. You know, it's not a, that attractive for them to try and say, let me pump some money into this, you know, which would cause lobbyists to want to change and, and add regulations, you know, so it, it's almost just left to the side. But it being left to the side is making the Caribbean as a whole a, a good secret, you know, one of the best kept secrets, if you ask me. Yeah. I've seen how regulations work and and it's just... It's very hard for governments to do this properly because it, it involves almost predicting the future, right? By, by putting a regulation in place, you have to predict what that will actually do. And I've seen this happen in Canada for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And some would argue that regulations have only exacerbated the problem. And I worry, um, you know, Antigua just doesn't have a lot of resources um, and, and, and choking foreign investment or reducing the amount of, let's say, vacation or, or inventory in the market for expats um, might actually might make the problem worse. And, and I'm not providing you a, a, a solution. I, and, and, and so, um, but I'm, I'm just worried that, yeah, I, I'm worried that it's, it's, a, it's a, I think government and um, have to partner with developers and take a multi-pronged approach. I, I think some regulation is needed. They, they already have a 7% stamp duty 
on um, on foreigners Hundreds that are speculating, them. right? Plus the you know plus the other fees to buy real estate in Antigua, which I, I think generally are are reasonable. Canada now actually Canada just put a whole kibosh on foreign investment, but previously Toronto had a fifteen percent stamp duty, basically, or foreign foreign buyers tax. Vancouver was twenty percent, and you know what? It didn't do much because there were ways around it. And I bet you here, you know, there, there's probably ways around it. I, I don't know, but I, I'm assuming that, that there's ways to have a nominee in Antigua buy it and hold title for you, right? There, there's, there's, different, there's different ways to structure deals, but I, I think ultimately they need to, you know, and Canada's doing this right now. And the problems that Canada's facing is gonna be very different than an island like Antigua. You, you can't even compare them. But what they're doing is heavily incentivizing developers to build affordable housing and build housing that's efficient, right? And, and those are you know, two problems, one affordability and, and the other is, uh, is the environment and, and, uh, um, and global warming, right? And so, um, and, and just you know, the energy crisis that exists in the world, like look at gas prices, they've doubled in the last, I don't know, two months because of uh, what's happening in Eastern Europe. But, but yeah, just to, just to conclude, I, I uh, um, I, I'm worried that regulations won't be enough, but uh, but it's it's clear that you know it's clear that something will have to be done, and I'm sure the government's already talking about it. And there's people uh, working on this problem as we speak. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. I think that to go further, no matter how you twist and turn it, you know, I find that the numbers are just small. The Caribbean island, the numbers in each Caribbean island are just small. It's not attractive, you know. So you you you, you try to 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 spend enough time coming up with, with a solution, trying to put regulation. But would the numbers make sense when 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 you you have something that you you're going to put in place? I don't know. I don't think it, yep. it's something that would would cause the economy or cause the, the industry to just grow rapidly. Yeah. I, I've always thought that a small island like Antigua, and you see some examples of this around the world, like, you know, even the story of Singapore starting in yeah. the 1960s. I think they had fishing village in a population of 300,000 and it's grown exponentially and their economy is one of the top in the world. Um, it, I, I think Singapore, and don't quote me on this, I think they manage more wealth than any other country in the world and they were literally a fishing village so i think a lot can be done in a small country um and i'm not suggesting antique is going to be the next singapore but um but i think there's a lot of amazing things that could happen in in a place like antigua with the right with the right leadership with the right decision making and um and i'm excited to see what that looks like in the future i i, I think there's some I I don't know, great things to come i, I know you agree from, from talking to you Absolutely, man. One of the things I say about Singapore is Singapore is a democracy. You know, they, 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 they're, they're very forward thinking, but are they a democracy? You know, and the type, the system of government we have on this side of, of the world is, is such that it may not enable us to be the next Singapore. You know, you have to put some thought into that. Well, it could be the next version of Antigua. And there's some other models like Cayman Island and, and even Barbados in, in, in a way, but Cayman Islands is, is an interesting model. Um, and to follow, um, I don't think it's perfect for Antigua. And Antigua needs to find their own way, whatever that is. And um, and uh, I, I believe they will. It's it's. You said this at the very beginning of the call that it's it's a really special place or it's very unique. And you're and you're you're absolutely right. Um, the I've said it to a few people now, and 
And some have said, oh, I haven't heard that word in a while. But the topography here is so unique because you have all these beautiful inlets and beaches and rolling hills and you have some jungle and almost like almost like a mountain kind of uh, range, although it's very small. And then you have a few other islands, like you have Barbuda, you have Renonda, right? Renonda? Yeah, um, and, and then Island, views Jumbi of Montserrat. Yeah, Long Island, Jumbi Bay, you have views of Montserrat and, and you see Nevis Volcano on a clear day. It's, 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 really, it's really special. And yeah, it's, it's a small island. It's safe. It, it, people, people here, it, it's, there, there's a real sense of community here, I've felt. Um, since I moved here, P- people people watch out for each other and care about uh, care about their own. So it's uh, it's it's a beautiful place, and and I think for that reason is you know well positioned. But um, time will tell. Um, what resources can you recommend to you know new real estate agents and and investors and home buyers on the island that are wanting to start a business or or wanting to kind of kind of get into this? A good question, Dan. One of the things that we've done, we've sought to try and empower persons who are getting in, get, getting their feet wet in real estate. If they're to visit our website, www.jmvirealty.com, we have a whole slate of, of, of books in, um, involving real estate, you know, various strategies that you can use, as well as blogs, you know. So if you're, in, if you're a, a reader, you can definitely absorb yourself in, in these books and blogs, which will assist you uh, in terms of your real estate journey. If you're going to be getting your, your, your feet wet in, in terms of the, the short-term vacation rentals, I think it all starts with research. As a matter of fact, I think you were the one that, that, that suggested that the platform, I think it's called airdna.co. Yeah. And I think that they are one of the, the penultimate sources of, of data for, for vacation rental markets, you know? Uh, Antigua doesn't have much data, especially with regards to long-term rentals or long-term sales. So I think if you are a risk-averse investor and you're getting into any type of real estate in Antigua, you may want to start in, in the short-term rental because that's the data that's readily available. Yep. Yeah, so spend time learning the market. Um, study some of the different opportunities that exist. Your website's a great resource. Um, I agree. AirDNA, I've spent hours on the platform just learning about you know, what, what's actually happening um, and, uh, and talking to people. Right, especially in the Caribbean, you, you need to talk to people, right, to, to get that in focus. Not as it's not as relative, it's not as readily available as in a market like Canada or or the U.S. or Europe, right? Um, they just don't have they just don't have the data. I agree. Um, what motivates you? You know, what what it, I guess inspires you to to do what you do and you know get up every day and push because I, I know you're uh, you're a hardworking guy. You're whenever I see you, you're uh, you're doing something. So uh, yeah, what, what, what gets you going? I think it, it changes over time, you know, but one of the, the, the major uh, turning points in my life was a date in May of 2015. I was actually involved in a near fatal car accident, you know, in a sports car. You know, it was a nice cool Sunday afternoon. I was speeding down the road without seatbelts and a, a car pulled out in front of me, you know, and I don't know how I survived. I don't know how I survived. You know, I have survived on scat except for back pains, you know, but I think God was telling me something there, you know, and I think he was actually telling me that there is a bigger plan for me. And I, I find that life is short and I think I need to 
find my purpose as quickly as possible, you know? And in terms of keeping me going, I find that in the past, there have been a number of instances and a number of times when I've suffered serious failures, you know, major failures in my career, personal, as well as business. And very short after, I, I there was a major breakthrough, you know? So I guess that as I start going through more and more um, failures and more and more challenges, there is this hope and there is this belief that right after this challenge is going to be something major. So it just causes me to keep on going, you know? I also think that that fitness and exercise is, is, is absolutely critical. You know, it, it, it helps to motivate you. You put your body under some serious stress and it enables you to handle stresses of life afterwards. You know, it, it, it kind of gives you the resilience needed to handle the, the stresses and challenges you, you face so that it, it comes across like nothing. Yeah. You know, I think that is well, what- Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing that story. You've told me a little bit about this. Um, and, uh, and, and I agree. Yeah. Keeping a clear mind, you know, working out, eating well, and treating your body well is, is so important. And I, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't even do this, but I have to ask what kind of car was it? I, uh, the, the car guy in me is, you know, just saying what, what kind of car was it, man? It was a candy apple red 2005 evolution nine GSR. <laughs> Amazing. Oh man, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, well, I'm glad you're okay. Cause it sounds like the car wasn't, but, uh, you, you made it, uh, you made it through. I, uh, never driven an evolution. I, I had an STI. I think I told you I had a Subaru, uh, Impreza STI that I loved and it had a little, little bit of extra juice in it too. So it, uh, it moved, but, uh, I'd love to drive an Evo one day, but anyways, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you made it out of that. And, um, yeah, and I guess it made you appreciate all the, you know, great things about life and, and being alive and all the opportunities. So I've, I've always found you to be, you know, whenever I'm around, just a positive, positive person. And, uh, and it's one of the things I love about you, man. So, um, yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for sharing your story. That's cool. Um, well, last question, how can people get in touch with you if they, if they want to learn more about what you're doing more about real estate in Antigua? Um, what's the best way to do that? But Dan, if it's a Friday, I would always tell you to come down to Papa Zook or Garden Grill. You will find it there. <laughs> are, is that, <laughs> it so that a paid plug? Are, are they sponsoring this somehow? Or are they, uh, are they slipping you a free dinner for this? Uh, definitely not, you know, but um, I, 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 I'm an avid lover of food. I'm an avid lover of good vibes and, and good atmosphere. And I find that it, it brings this out in restaurants, you know. So I, I try to go out and, and experience fine cuisines you know and that that's where i do spend my time on, on fridays because even saturdays and sundays are actually work days you know so i kind of unwind on, on on days like fridays you know but if if you're not in antigua if you're not so lucky i'd suggest you reach out to me via linkedin um Jermaine rudd Jermaine with an e rudd with an h in it and two d's at the end and uh you can also find me socially on instagram as selected j Perfect. Well, we'll add we'll add those links to the uh, to the copy and, and to some of the comments. But um, but yeah, Absolutely. this has been awesome. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And um, and you're right, Antigua is just such a special place. I I'm grateful every day I wake up here. And um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really uh, really great place to call home. So um, but uh, but yeah, it's thanks a lot so for. Uh, it, it's the real deal. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real. I, I don't think it's as hidden as it used to be, but it's still a bit of a 
hidden gem in the Caribbean. And so, yeah, more, more people need to, to come visit this place and, uh, and discover it for the, uh, for the wonderful mm -hmm. island it is. So, yeah. Understood. And I appreciate, I appreciate you uh, utilizing a, a platform like this to bring about awareness to our beautiful island, you know, because many of us, we, we, we don't have the, the network and we don't have, have the, the marketing channels that, that, that you do, you know, to, to, to expose our, our beautiful island to, to, to wonderful persons, you know. Uh, you've been here for some time. You've, you've, you've brought some absolute great people down here to Antigua and Barbuda. You've always used it as an opportunity to, to, to bring us out, and we've always had time to it, or second to none, you know, so we appreciate you for doing that. Hey, it, we're, I'm just getting started. You know, the pandemic put a bit of a damper on that, but I'm telling you, the, the floodgates are going to open uh, come next winter yeah. when, when uh, Canada starts getting cold, so... Uh, I'm just getting started, but no, absolutely, man. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. So cool. Well, uh, we'll keep in touch, chat soon, and uh, have a great weekend. All right, same to you, sir. Yep. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Caribbean Real Estate Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe and like our content so you don't miss our next episode. Thanks for tuning in.